0: One of the main things that was happening during the 70s was uh, oil crisis in 1973. And this very quickly translated into inflation.
1: This is Etai Goldstein, finance professor at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. He's an economist who likes to turn to the past to understand the present.
2: Let's travel back to a time of disco music, lava lamps, and enormous economic challenges. As the oil crisis of the 1970s set off rampant inflation, it created a ripple effect in the economy that impacted all aspects of people's lives, from groceries to mortgages to transportation. It also presented massive challenges for businesses.
1: Corporations had to reevaluate their accounting practices. And amid these inflationary pressures, the government also enacted new financial regulations.
0: This would basically have them report much higher costs than before. You know, you come out with your financial statements, they look different than they used to. Investors are going to worry, investors are going to panic. During the 70s, companies just weren't prepared for this.
2: At the time, they had what they called financial managers who were responsible for budgets and bookkeeping. But they weren't in the room when companies made big decisions. Number crunching and budget evaluation just weren't done until well after those choices were made.
0: I think this was kind of a trigger to realize that maybe we should put the finance people in the front seat and uh, uh, consult with them early on before decisions are made.
1: Enter the CFO. Chief Financial Officer, the first company leader in charge of guiding big decisions from a financial perspective.
0: Now, the CFO would be part of all these decisions. The CFO would basically say, you know, we need to do this and that because of how it's going to affect the financials of the firm.
2: Fast forward to today, and once again, we're in a moment of enormous economic challenges
0: and uncertainty. I think everything that is going on in the macroeconomy, the fight against inflation, the continued threat of recession, you know, the economy is not out of the woods with that.
1: The tumultuous last few years, as well as the emergence of new technologies, have expanded the CFO's role, making it more complicated and critical. Now more than ever, they're driving strategic decisions and unlocking total enterprise reinvention.
0: Everything that happened since the late 70s continued to reinforce the idea that uh, there needs to be financial leadership and the CFO has to be a central position in the organization.
1: I'm Elise Hugh,
0: And I'm Josh Klein.
1: And this is Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture.
2: So, Elise, was it a surprise to you that CFOs have not always been around?
1: It actually was kind of a surprise to me. I know that we are seeing a lot more C-suite roles, but CFO seemed like one that would be an obvious and foundational
3: role.
2: Yeah, I I can't imagine a company that isn't running itself with somebody who's always watching the books. Right,
1: especially given all of the financial disruptions that we've seen over the past few years with the pandemic and then switching to hybrid work, but then the meta crises, right, of climate change and energy resource strain.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it does seem increasingly complex. And so you've got to believe that CFOs are in the middle of that complexity, especially given how multifaceted the position is and how much has changed with the state of the world and with new technologies.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're also seeing more CFOs who don't necessarily have that traditional finance background, so they're bringing unconventional skills into the ways that they lead.
2: Mm -hmm. Very true.
1: And that's why today we're going to learn the elements of success for CFOs, and truthfully, the entire C-suite could take a cue from them. And more broadly, how to stay aligned throughout all of the disruptions and navigate organizations of all kinds.
3: I think as the role has expanded, the CFO is now getting into much more of a transformation and reinvention mindset where they're being asked to drive elements of the organization that aren't just limited to finance.
1: This is Jason Des, Global Lead of CFO and Enterprise Value at Accenture. He's spent the past 25 years helping CFOs get better at their jobs. Jason says that today, as many leaders look to transform and reinvent their companies, the role has become immensely more complex.
3: The CFO's role has changed markedly, even within the last three or four years. Uh, if you think about the perma-crisis that have hit combination of COVID, high inflation, uh, high interest rates, uh, geopolitical tension, some of the supply chain challenges we've had, CFO's are more and more being relied on to help organizations solve those, but also transform and, and reinvent themselves during that period of time.
1: It's a lot of moving pieces, and Jason says that many CFOs struggle to keep them all aligned
3: you're entrusted with a lot of responsibility. And I've seen a lot of CFOs sometimes be successful because they planned through it. Others haven't been so successful because they haven't thought of all the elements to move the needle.
1: These elements are part of a paradigm for success that Jason and his team developed for CFOs to get a handle on the breadth of their responsibilities. There are three elements, the CFO's leadership style, the company's strategic imperative, and the company's culture. It's important for leaders to understand the ins and outs of what these elements mean in order to navigate effectively. It all starts with the first element, a person's individual leadership style.
3: Each and every one of us have a different leadership style and different core of things that make us successful. And there's things we do very well, and there's things we have to work on that we don't do as well. So that means that CFOs will deal with different problems in different situations either well or with a different mindset based on that core and that leadership style.
1: And so Jason and his team set out to understand the different types of leaders and what makes them successful. First up, a group they call Financial Engineers, who account for roughly a third of all CFOs.
3: They're very analytical, very driven to, to, to move forward and, and look at the numbers, so to speak.
1: But CFOs, like everyone else, have their unique strengths, weaknesses, and blind spots. A financial engineer who is zeroed in on the numbers might not be as adept at working with the rest of the C-suite. Those who fall short leading with one style might excel leading with a different one. Which brings us to another type of leader, collaboration creators.
3: My mental vision of collaboration creators are people, you know, that walk into the room, that are inspiring, that everyone wants to talk to. They listen to different opinions. They know how to manage and work them through.
1: Other CFOs might be more compelled to reinvent the organization from the top down. These leaders are known as change agents.
3: A change agent really wants to drive change, has a clear vision, you know, action orientated.
1: And some CFOs may lead as problem solvers, a leadership style characterized by staying tactical and disciplined, allowing them to resolve issues quickly. But Jason says that while each type of CFO may lead with one specific strength, There's often more complexity to the decisions they make and their role at their organization.
3: You don't just have one style, it's not black and white. You have a dominant style, and then there's certainly influences of others within every person's personality.
1: For CFOs, being aware of their leadership style is the key to equipping themselves to lead their organizations through both steady times and not so steady times. So while today's CFOs juggle that precarity, it's critical that they keep their sights set on that main business issue, the strategic imperative. Of course, every organization is different, but it turns out that over half of CFOs share the same main goal, driving continuous improvement.
3: When you start looking at continuous improvement strategic imperatives, maybe it's a CFO that's trying to improve their close process. Um, Maybe they're trying to become more efficient at the information. Maybe they're trying to actually get to close the books and get to the street a day or two earlier because they believe it will give them a competitive advantage.
1: CFOs striving for continuous improvement have to keep their organization healthy in uncertain economic times and ensure they're staying on top of the latest market trends and emerging technologies. Meanwhile, about a quarter of CFOs have to home in on another kind of strategic imperative, acceleration and growth of their organization, which requires them to stay flexible and make bold decisions to grow the business. There's also the strategic imperative of disruptive change, which relates to industries facing immense turmoil. And finally, a small number of financial leaders are dealing with the strategic imperative of a burning platform, a business issue that requires quick and urgent decision making. Here's an example. During the pandemic, the retail and travel industries were at a standstill.
3: You had two burning platforms come together. You needed to cash conserve very quickly and be able to do it to make sure your organization stayed afloat. And then you had a unique opportunity to transform coming out of COVID on how you wanted to operate in the future.
1: It turns out that CFOs with a leadership style of financial engineers or problem solvers as their dominant trait are best equipped to handle this type of pressure. To reevaluate the numbers and help their organizations navigate rapid change. But even once a CFO has identified their dominant leadership style and the business imperative they're facing and what exactly the stakes are, they still need to consider another element for success company culture.
3: The, the culture in the company and the way you can influence stakeholders to, to be successful in, in solving the issue is really dependent on how that company operates and works. You may have the best solution, you've got a clear path, but if you're unable to influence the stakeholders that matter to move that forward, you're just not going to be successful.
1: Many companies have a culture that operates on consensus, where everyone in the organization participates in making decisions. So for CFOs, the challenge is not only in matching their leadership style to the business imperative at hand, but to the culture they're working within too. Here's an example. A CFO who specialised in driving change joined a global company that had a burning platform issue. They were used to tackling problems head on, but...
3: What that CFO didn't consider as much as the company culture, and the company culture was much more consensus driven. So they've entered into a world where their skills match the problem, but having the answer and wanting to move forward and drive top down didn't fit with how the organisation was built.
1: It was a difficult scenario to navigate, but instead of charging full steam ahead, this CFO decided it was especially important, in this case, to foster collaboration.
3: And the CFO then enlisted some of the team members and folks that have been around for longer to start to understand how to operate and to influence stakeholders. So it wasn't just on their plate. They started to understand how the organization works to then move things forward.
1: This is just one example of the balancing act that today's CFOs have to manage, and the challenges that they face continue to grow.
3: As organizations are growing and they're trying to transform and look to the future, the CFO is being asked to help pivot the business. As organizations are looking at their data, we're seeing more and more the CFOs really weighing in, not just on financial data, but how the, the type of business data that's required for the organization to have a very clear crystal view about their operations and the things that are important to them and the key KPIs and metrics that will drive the business forward.
1: CFOs have a lot of big decisions to make and a lot more responsibilities too. And Jason says that this is why thinking about the responsibilities of the role in three levels is so key. If they can align their leadership style with the main issue their organization faces, along with the culture that drives it, then they'll be able to crack the code for success.
3: I like to think of tumblers in a lock, When you fumble around, it means one of those elements don't completely align. And either you haven't enlisted the right help to help you move forward on that path or you don't realize it doesn't align. So you're going down a path that's taking longer to be successful.
1: Best case scenario, you spend a few extra minutes turning the lock and guessing different combinations until you're able to get all the elements in alignment. But the CFOs who take a close look at the precise combination that's right for them and their organization will unlock the answer with ease.
3: I think when you crack the code, it's seamless, it's easy, and you really bring the three levels of the success paradigm together to make that happen. You understand your leadership style Your strengths of your leadership style really align with the strategic imperative that you're driving and that you've understand the company culture and how to get that decision or execute on it and be successful. All right, Elise, what kind of CFO do you think you'd be?
1: First of all, I am not qualified to be a CFO. (laughs) ever. (laughs) But if I were to have that role, I think I would be a collaboration creator or probably a change agent because I do love to go into organizations and start new things or implement a big vision or take part in coming up with one collaboratively. What about you?
2: You know, it's funny. When I first thought about CFO, I thought, oh, great. Well, just it's all about the analytics. I love analytics.
1: Mm -hmm. So you'd be a financial engineer type.
2: Yeah, but but the more I heard about it, the more I liked the fact that you can be a change agent, mm-hmm. that you can take all that analytic capacity and apply it across the organization. Totally, totally. I think that's one of the the challenges for CFOs today is that there's all these elements that they have to have to align.
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many responsibilities not only internally at the organization, but as we've talked about, all these external factors going on in the larger mm-hmm. world and with the supply chains and with the yeah. environment that make jobs challenging.
2: Right. Yeah, it's a really multifaceted leadership position. And the truth is, it's changed a lot over the decades, and it's continuing to change, especially as new technologies emerge.
1: That's right. But as we know, this isn't the first time in history that CFOs have been confronted with such complexity, and it certainly won't be the last. So let's turn back to Etai Goldstein to get a deeper understanding of exactly what factors CFOs have to look out for today. Ittai tells his students at Wharton's executive education program that today's CFOs are involved in a lot of major decisions.
0: What are we going to produce? Are we going to expand to other countries? Are we going to make acquisitions?
1: CFOs answer these questions based on the dynamics of financial markets. But staying on top of the markets isn't easy.
0: Financial markets are constantly evolving and CFOs have to keep their eyes on the ball and make sure that they are updated with the trends.
1: Luckily, CFOs have more information at their fingertips than ever before, and they need to take advantage of it.
0: We just have more data available to the CFOs as they are doing their job. And and that's certainly something that, that they can use. So for example, if you uh, want to analyze your next decision on an acquisition, nowadays you can crunch a lot more data and make that decision more efficient.
1: More data can help CFOs make better informed decisions, but sometimes there's too much data to sift through. This can lead to information overload. Itai says that emerging technologies can help CFOs process vast amounts of data and quickly unearth insights they need.
0: What is going on in the last five, six years is basically we see an explosion in machine learning and artificial intelligence that allows you to analyze much bigger data in a much more efficient way.
1: In addition to keeping track of their day-to-day environment, CFOs also need to consider the long-term implications of their company's financial decisions, which can help prepare them for bumps along the way.
0: Every few years, we see episodes of financial fragility uh, where the financial system kind of freezes up. When something like that happens, CFOs have to be ready.
1: From the 2008 financial crisis to the current environment of high interest rates and persistent inflation, periods of fragility have huge ripple effects in the economy, putting pressure on companies around the world. Itai says that companies manage that pressure differently.
0: Some firms saw uh, the implications of this very quickly. And those firms that were prepared would weather the storm better than than others. Even though you want to take risk, you also want to have the flexibility and the security that when things go the wrong way, uh, you are not very severely affected.
1: That's because CFOs at those firms had made long-term decisions to be ready for a crisis. Being ready for financial fragility can mean a lot of different things. Borrowing money from a variety of sources, keeping debt under control, looking for signs of instability in the market, the list goes on. What's important is that CFOs build an infrastructure for weathering challenging times.
0: I think it's really the wisdom or the maturity of a CFO at that time when things look pretty good to say, look... I mean, when I look at the financial system, yes, it looks pretty good, but uh, there are things that are building underneath the surface and there might be some fragility coming down the road. So I want to be prepared for that.
1: Building that infrastructure isn't always at the top of a company's priorities. But doing so during moments of stability can help prepare for sudden moments of instability.
0: When uh, COVID-19 hit, there was actually very severe financial turmoil. For a couple of weeks, financial markets really froze.
1: And that put many companies in a tough spot. But those CFOs that had an infrastructure in place were impacted less. And Itai says those leaders not only recognized the need to be prepared, they were also able to effectively communicate their ideas.
0: You also need to be able to persuade the CEO and the, the board of directors and the other management team. You need to convince them this is the most prudent thing for them to do at the moment.
1: As CFOs account for instability in the markets, there's intriguing new technology being developed that can help mitigate the effects of crisis.
0: You know, there's a lot of experimentation that is happening around blockchain, around DeFi.
1: Decentralized finance promises to reshape the way money moves in our markets.
0: The way that finance works these days, a lot of it happens through financial institutions, financial intermediaries. You need to raise money, you go to a bank.
1: In decentralized finance, there aren't any intermediaries, so companies can become less reliant on third-party institutions for their capital. If an episode of financial fragility comes along, these changes might even lead to fewer ripple effects across the economy. Researchers are working to make DeFi mainstream.
0: If those experiments are going to prove uh, fruitful, uh, then it's really going to change the way that finance works.
1: From emerging technologies to shocks in the economy, CFOs have to balance a constantly changing environment. To face these challenges and opportunities, they shouldn't be afraid to think differently about how to solve problems. At the end of the day, the modern CFO should aim to be proactive, leading the charge in their companies to address whatever's in store.
0: A good CFO will learn the lessons from history. The knowledge is there. You you just need to be aware of it. You need to implement it. You need to internalize it.
2: At least I love the fact that all these new revolutionary technologies are actually finding their feet with CFOs in driving change throughout the organization.
1: Absolutely. Early adoption is becoming really important. Trying out new technologies, getting familiar with them and how they can support and amplify businesses is all really important.
2: And the way that the financial system is changing now is it's actually kind of a perfect environment for financial leaders who come from non traditional backgrounds. It gives them a chance to use their expertise to navigate and flourish.
1: Yes, absolutely. So now we'll actually hear from one of these leaders a CFO whose career followed a unique path.
4: My dad was a brilliant engineer, and he developed the first panoramic camera. This is Alice
1: Globus, CFO of Nanotronics, a deep tech company using a combination of sophisticated AI, automation and 3D imaging to revolutionize the world of manufacturing, infrastructure and security. But long before Alice got into finance, she was working at her family's own factory right in Manhattan.
4: I grew up in our manufacturing facility, and I I started helping assembling these devices when I was probably, you know, six or seven years old, until I almost lost a finger in a press.
1: (laughs) With all 10 of her fingers, Alice eventually went on to college to study astrophysics, where she learned a very different set of skills.
4: With astrophysics, you have to be good at math and computer programming, and of course physics... But um, I think a general curiosity for how the world works is also extremely helpful.
1: Alice completed her PhD studies in astrophysics in a program designed to prepare scientists for teaching and research at universities. But Alice's interests pointed her in a different direction.
4: Interestingly enough, I would say the second most common path for astrophysicists actually is to go into finance.
1: With their deep knowledge of data science, many astrophysicists are equipped to lead quantitative analytics projects in the financial space. So Alice found her niche in banking and wealth management. That foundation, combined with her upbringing in manufacturing, made Alice a great fit when Nanotronics was looking for a CFO to help them in their mission, to use AI to help companies make their manufacturing processes more efficient
4: manufacturing itself is a very wasteful industry. I have a a six-year-old little boy, and I just started envisioning a world where everything was produced at 100% efficiency. What would that mean for not only the world, but for my son? And I just viewed it as a world that, you know... Maybe we could reach carbon neutrality with manufacturing. Maybe there doesn't have to be wastewater polluting our lakes. And maybe the world doesn't have to be affected by human endeavors to manufacture things.
1: Alice entered Nanotronics ready to collaborate. Her background as an astrophysicist allowed her to seamlessly work with the scientists that make Nanotronics products, aligning her leadership style with the company culture to crack the code for CFO success.
4: I was able to talk to our chief science officer, talk to any of our artificial intelligence engineers, and I understood what they did. I might not be able to go down to the nitty gritties of how their models are working, but I, I truly understood the problems that they were having and how that could impact the business.
1: For example, she had ideas about how to improve one of Nanotronic's products the black box AI system that their customers use to streamline operations within a factory.
4: One of the things that I suggested was that there's a user interface, and this sounds kind of crazy to probably most of the world, but it's not actually needed for what we do. We don't need to have a a dashboard that's telling humans what's going on, but the humans need (laughs) to have that. And this was one of the things that I I really lobbied for, was that we have some way for humans of interacting with our our software.
1: Alice led the charge on a decision that came from the top and ultimately changed the day-to-day experience for machine operators who work at factories using Nanotronics technology. Her background, combined with her eagerness to work closely with other leaders in the company, helped her to take action and push Nanotronic's product forward. It's not a traditional task for someone with her job title. But Alice says that it's becoming more and more important for CFOs to go beyond just crunching numbers.
4: You can no longer just be in a black box with just looking at balance sheets and income statements. There's more collaboration with with everyone that's involved in making that happen to be able to forecast of how the business is going to grow.
1: And sometimes that task of forecasting growth involves talking to people outside the orbit for a typical CFO.
4: I do talk a bit with potential customers, it's one of the things that I do enjoy, even though traditionally a CFO doesn't do that. We're a very customer-centric company. And if we don't understand our customers' needs, you know, it's very hard for us to grow as a business to allocate correct resources to that.
1: As CFO, Alice has to think about growth, especially at a company like Nanotronics.
4: The two founders are a father-son team, which is really unconventional for venture-backed companies, but I think that's partly what makes us so special. But as we grow, we're we're transitioning from more of a family-run business to a growing business.
1: Maintaining that growth mindset is just another element that Alice needs to navigate the financial landscape, which, as we know, is becoming increasingly complex for CFOs. For example, hybrid work is a big consideration for most companies these days. And for Alice, that meant prioritizing work-life balance by offering child care options for Nanotronics employees.
4: Since I've been there, we've we've brought in more child support care for our current employees. It's important to employees to be able to focus on what's important at home. And then when they're at work, focus on what's important at work.
1: But before a CFO can make any major decision, Alice says that while her job is about sweating the details, it's still important to keep an eye on the bigger picture of how she can drive change in her role.
4: People that are innately curious are going to be the future financial leaders. And one of the main drivers for that is if you aren't constantly questioning why things are the way they are, you know, if the numbers are saying... A, but you expect to be, why is that happening? And I think having that curiosity of, you know, challenging what, what is and what should be is very important.
2: So Elise, what do you think about Alice's journey from astrophysics into the world of finance?
1: Well, I think it's really cool that she was able to translate skills from one field, science, over to a role as a CFO. I really love to see her collaborate with the scientists and kind of speak to them fluently.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's really what I'm getting at is the fact that having a breadth of other skills like collaboration Mm -hmm. and solving problems that, in this case, really helped her thinking about growth.
1: Right, right. And as we learned today, these are all factors that CFOs have to align as they figure out how to lead their organizations.
2: Absolutely. So to learn more, download the Accenture Foresight app. There, you'll find more thought leadership on the success paradigm for CFOs and other new trends in business.
1: Thanks to Accenture's Jason Dess.
2: And to Itai Goldstein and Alice Globus for talking to us.
1: Built for Change is a podcast from Accenture.
2: More episodes are coming soon. Follow, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review.